Hello and welcome to another episode of Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where health affairs editors go beyond the headlines to explore the health policy news of the week. I'm Kathleen Haddad. And I'm Chris Fleming. So Chris, last episode, we recapped the major developments of last year, but one last piece of health policy news broke after our last show. The $1.7 trillion omnibus funding bill that was enacted right before Christmas. It not only kept government open, but contained important health policy advancements. Before we get rolling on that discussion, though, there were two news items of the past week that received scans attention. First, the FDA announced that misoprostol could be sold in pharmacies. That's the abortion pill. And it can be prescribed via telemedicine appointments. Previously, the drug could only be given at a doctor's office, which was an inconvenience and that made it inaccessible for many women. And Kathleen, what's what's the second news item that you mentioned? Chris, there's a new COVID variant amongst us. It's oh, called, wonderful. Yeah, it's called XBB 1.5. Dr. Zeke Emanuel, a former White House COVID policy advisor, says this, this new variant comprises about 40% of current infections, which seem to be uh, rising or are expected to rise after uh, the effects of the holidays show in the data. Ah, uh, well, it seems uh, kind of redundant to say this with any sentence that contains the word new variant in COVID, but that really doesn't sound like good news, Kathleen. Well, medical experts say it's the most infectious variant yet, and it will be interesting just to see how it plays out, yeah, and how much strain it puts on the hospital system. But Chris, let's move on to the huge government funding law enacted just before Christmas. It's hard to know where to start in dissecting this massive law, but what can you tell us? Uh, Well, Kathleen, as you know, and you referred to earlier, we've developed this habit of uh, ending our congressional sessions with these very large catch-all bills at the end of uh, the the session. And, uh, uh, you know, I'd say that this is a, ba- a crazy way to run a railroad if I wasn't watching the, as we uh, record today on January 5th, the House trying to choose a speaker and going through multiple ballots for the first time in a century. Uh, but anyway, these uh, these omnibus bills, as they're referred to, they're always chock full of pretty much uh, everything uh, and in certainly chock full of important health policy provisions. And this year was no exception. Uh, one example, physicians uh, we're facing a reduction in Medicare payment of, I think, 8.5% 8, 8. for 2023. And needless to say, they weren't particularly happy about that. Uh, the omnibus uh, uh, eliminated a big chunk of that impending cut. That made physicians happier. Uh, but it still left a 2% uh, cut for this year, for this, yeah, for 2023, uh, plus another 3.5% cut scheduled for next year for 2024 in that Needless to say, made physicians less happy. But the nature of these uh, huge bills is that you know you tend to get half a loaf, uh, you know, rather than the whole loaf. So, Chris, what about the value-based payment? Right. So, so Congress, uh, there was a, a value-based uh, care bonus for physicians who participate in alternative payment arrangements. Uh, that would not uh, before the omnibus. That would not have been available next year. Uh, Congress did make it available, but they reduced it. Uh, it used to be 5%. Uh, they cut it down to 3.5%. So what's in the law on the hospital side, Chris? Ah, well, the omnibus uh, now, uh, one of the things the omnibus did is it extended through 2025 two programs that help out rural hospitals. 
uh, that were scheduled to expire this year. Uh, the programs are the low volume hospital program, which helps hospitals with a small number of Medicare patients. And uh, on the other end, the Medicare dependent hospital program, and that's a, a program that helps hospitals where the Medicare share of total patients is high. Uh, what also, the omnibus also does extend for two years, uh, some telehealth flexibilities uh, that were uh, introduced during the pandemic uh, through CMS waivers. Uh, these uh, relax the site restrictions, the, the restrictions on the geographic sites that telehealth can be used uh, for, and also uh, it provides some flexibility regarding the use of audio-only telehealth. We tend to think of uh, video and high tech when we talk about telehealth, but uh, turned out maybe surprisingly to some that uh, audio only because some people just don't have access to uh, broadband and for other reasons, audio only became very important during the pandemic. Many had hoped that 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 these would be these would be extended permanently, but you know, obviously, two years uh, in the view of many is better than nothing. And back to the half a loaf uh, theme from earlier. Right. Now, and, and I also should add very quickly that uh, the uh, omnibus also extended uh, something called the hospital home program, and that's something uh, that was important during the pandemic. It allows hospitals to treat uh, more acute care patients at home uh, through mechanisms like remote patient monitoring, telehealth, and in-person care. Right. And I think uh, the Health Affairs Journal, we've published a number of uh, articles uh, on that topic. Uh, let's go uh, move forward um, to the Medicaid-related provisions. What do you know about that? Yeah, there's, there was uh, uh, some really uh, important uh, stuff that you know raise, will raise some challenges, but there's some uh, the the omnibus attempted to to meet that challenge by including some safeguards as well. Uh, let's back up a little bit uh, in the families first back I think in 2020, early in the COVID pandemic. Uh, in the Families First Act, Congress gave states this bump in Medicaid funding, I think 6.2 percent uh, percentage points. But to get that money, states had to 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 uh, do uh, follow what, what are called maintenance of efforts requirements, which meant that they had to suspend uh, Medicaid eligibility redeterminations uh, during the public health emergency. And that was declared by the federal government in connection with COVID. So once someone was on Medicaid, uh, you couldn't go through and, and do the sort of the normal process that states do of checking whether they were still eligible. So this is a big deal because the, you know, during the pandemic, the, uh, that was a big deal because that Medicaid program grew. It grew like 30 percent. Uh, and the program had, you know, really it was a really huge kind of pillar for folks uh, trying to weather the pandemic who might have lost their jobs and would have lost health insurance. Uh, so the emergency that this was tied to, the public health emergency, is still in effect. Uh, but the omnibus actually ended uh, this maintenance of effort uh, requirement uh, and the, that ends as of April of this year, April 2023. Uh, and that means that states uh, at that point will be able to return to normal eligibility redeterminations. Chris, what are the protections against immediate disenrollment for Medicaid enrollees? Right. And that's that's an important question, because uh, the worry is, you know, that it won't just be people who are actually who've, who've become ineligible that would lose their 
eligibility. It would be pushed off the rolls. It might be people who were still eligible, but there are you know, communications issues, getting in touch with many Medicaid beneficiaries, there are bureaucratic errors. So you know, the omnibus uh, tries to, to deal with that. Uh, it has uh, this, instead of just eliminating that 6.2 uh, percentage point bump in Medicaid payment uh, entirely, it has a transitional phase where uh, the uh, payment is still there for the rest of 2023, but goes away in stages. And to get that money, states do have to agree to some safeguards. Uh, so for instance, uh, if they try to mail, reach a Medicaid uh, enrollee by mail and don't get a response, they just can't kick him off the roll, him or her off the rolls. They need to try to reach the person uh, at least one other way. Uh, Joan Elker on the Say Ah blog and many of her colleagues at Georgetown, they do a great job of covering these safeguards and the omnibus in general. Uh, they note also, for instance, importantly, that uh, you know, there are some, some pro-coverage elements in, involved as well. Uh, so states will end up covering children continuously now uh, for 12 months in Medicaid and CHIP as a result of the omnibus. Uh, regardless of change circumstances. Uh, and the omnibus also extends the overall CHIP funding with some important uh, uh, policies such as express lane eligibility uh, for two years and I think now through the end of uh, fiscal year 2029. I think HHS estimates that um, 15 million people could, could lose Medicaid coverage and that maybe half of them or almost half are, are uh, eligible even though they might get notices or be dropped. So um, these protections are important. I wanted also to note that Medicaid can now extend postnatal coverage from two months to 12 months. Um, that's a permanent provision now. I think currently 27 states do that. And so that uh, is something that's important for uh, uh, postnatal health and mental health. I wanted also to mention, Chris, that the Omnibus provides a lot of funding for mental health programs and changes in Medicare mental health coverage. Previously, Medicare didn't pay for counseling provided by marriage and family therapists or licensed mental health counselors. Now, Medicare will pay for that under the law. And to address the mental health workforce shortage, the law funds 200 new residency slots with half reserved for training psychiatrists. The uh, 988 Emergency Mental Health Line, colloquially known as the Suicide Hotline, received $400 million in uh, increased funding. To address the opioid crisis, the law now allows doctors to prescribe buprenorphine without a special waiver from the DEA. The drug uh, used to treat, it's used to treat opioid use disorders, and uh, advocates say it has simply not been used widely enough. So this provision is aimed at increasing the use, appropriate use of buprenorphine. And now uh, let's bring it back to the public health arena where we started this, this session. Um, one of the things about the omnibus that's interesting from a health policy point of view is it requires, uh, I believe, Senate confirmation of the CDC director, right? That, that sounds like it'll be a, a non-contentious uh, confirmation here again. <laughs> Right, Chris. So currently, the CDC director appointment does not require Senate confirmation, as do other agency heads. But beginning in January of 2025, confirmation will be required. 
And um, the interesting part of this is that it was a bipartisan bill um, or effort that, that put this provision in, sponsored by Patty Murray and Richard Burr. I, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, their purpose, uh, legislative intent there was to uh, cope with another pandemic more easily than we did this one. But like you say, um, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if that's, <laughs> that's really the case. Well, I think, you know, uh, there's much more to be said about the omnibus and the other news that you started us out with. Uh, but I think we're, we're pretty much running out of time today. So I think we may have to end it there. As you say, Chris, the uh, omnibus is chock full of health policy provisions, including many we haven't been able to get to. I also want to remind listeners that next week on January 11th, we'll be restarting our health affairs Pathways podcast series, which is our fellowship program. Next week, we begin with Michael Shen, who is a physician. He talks about how Medicare payment and Medicaid payment to hospitals doesn't fund everything they need funded in order to do their jobs. Um, The podcast is terrific. I suggest you listen. If you want to understand anything about uh, payment to hospitals in our disjointed healthcare system. This is where to learn it. But thanks for your knowledge, Chris, and Happy New Year. And thanks to our listeners. Be sure to subscribe to Health Affairs This Week, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Kathleen. It was uh, it was fun as always. 